when I was in university and in, in like first year, I was in, on res and they had basic cable. Nice. So I'd like wake up and we had one TV for video games and one TV for TV. So I'd like wake up, put on like the Berenstein Bears or something. And then I play FIFA. That's <laughs> that great. Is that I our had, next uh, fictional 11? The Berenstein yeah. Bears 11? <laughs> I saw I the children's book 11. Yeah. Oh, that's actually great. That's really Reader. good. And what also, do you mean? Strega Nona is obviously the GG <laughs> Buffon of this team. Open wide for some soccer! Oh, Rainbow Fish, he's going to pass the ball. He's going to share it around. I'm going with Arthur up top. Oh, I don't know Yo, about that. The, the problem with that is the brain is actually like a recognized striker. Uh, we never said welcome, but that's fine. I don't think we need it. Binky is kind of like a bruiser. Like, he'd, oh, be yeah. tough. The... he'd be tough to handle. Francine was always the athletic one, right? Yeah, Francine's yeah. the, she's the bruiser. She's she's like the engine of the team, I think. Right. Yeah. Binky is probably, he, I could see him being a good center back. Mm. Muffy owns the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because her dad's a car salesman. Yes, he's <laughs> the richest of them all somehow. <laughs> that's what was the, who was the one sue ellen she was the sue ellen was oh, like yeah, the nothing right. character like she did nothing i don't, I don't even remember yeah her. exactly yeah, which she, i think I, it's proves your point she had the the pigtails oh, right yeah yeah pigtails that's all <laughs> yeah i don't know what animal she was yeah i know dw just like dw has it in, team. she just hacks shins yeah she hacks shins <laughs> She's she wants a raise and she's put in a con- she's put in a transfer request. <laughs> as long as Arthur on- is on the team, DW is unsatisfied. Exactly. Yeah. DW is not happy. The team walks into Crazy Bus. Crazy Bus. Crazy Bus. <laughs> oh my fucking god! That's man. great. All right, fuck it. We're doing a we're doing a children's book eleven. <laughs> That's actually great. I love it. Children's book. I love the contrast. I love the contrast between us dying at Crazy Bus, at the same time as Man U uh, wins their game against West Ham to advance yeah. to the FA Cup quarterfinals. <laughs> Who's really good on Mexico right now? I want to say like Lozano. Jimenez. Yeah, Irving. Jimenez. Yeah, Irving. Yeah, I love he's hurt. Yeah, Irving. Are Irving Lozano and Chucky Lozano the same person? Yeah, her. Yeah, that's okay. Because <laughs> there's, there's this one guy on our on our site that writes um, MLS for MLS and for Liga MX. Yeah, but he also tweets out all the time, and he always refers to Lozano. But depending on what who he's catering to, he writes Irving or Chucky. Oh, <laughs> I'm always so confused. That's amazing. Yeah, I think they're the same guy. He's on Napoli. Is he still on Napoli? I think so. He was huge in... Is it the World Cup? Yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, Herving Lozano. Lozano. True. There's always like those guys who do really well in the World Cup, and then everyone hypes up, and then they go to a big club, and then they disappoint. Like those hype guys. Mm-hmm. You yeah. always get one like big never World Cup signing. Never year. heard of him. Even James was one. Like, yeah. Not that he was a failure at Madrid, but it was that was like Arshavin. such a World Cup. Our Shavin yes. is the one for me. Arshavin. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Euros, right? He did yeah. great there. Arsenal picked him up and just never really. He did. Our... He did at that four goal game. That was pretty impressive. Oh, but that was right. was that against Man U or was that Liverpool? I don't, I don't remember it being against United, but. 
Let's Google it. You're going to cut most of this anyway, the, right? Mm, really? Is this the show? This is a good chat. This is a good I mean, topic. It, who yeah, are your favorite? Gonna... Who are your favorite overhyped international tournament stars that went on to have less than stellar club careers? You know who? Um, you know who was like that, but didn't really, never really. No one bought into it, mostly because of his position. Was um, Guillermo Ochoa? Mm. Yeah, the awesome. keeper. Yeah. And what was that? Twenty eighteen? No, I think Can't it was twenty eighteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. 14. It'd be 2014 World Cup. He was like, honestly, like you'd think he was the greatest goalkeeper in the world. Um, but yeah, I think it was just because he was a goalkeeper. And he, well, he was already a backup at Malaga, I think, at the time. Um, or whatever yeah. team he was at. That Mexico team. Like, I he might have moved to Malaga after. I don't. Yeah, he's at America yeah. now. Club America now. Oh, and I know uh, because that's... I always play Club America on FIFA <laughs> squads. Just to chime in that Arshavin scored four against Liverpool. You know who else scored four against yeah. Liverpool? Manchester City. Did you guys watch that game this weekend? The biggest game of the weekend? Yep. The one time I had to like force myself to support Liverpool, they go out and do this. It's like any other time I'd be like, this is great. Love watching them completely implode, but couldn't even take the pleasure in it. it was so, and then, you know, go and watch Brady win the Super Bowl. So it's just not a great day overall. <laughs> Conlon says that he forced himself to support Liverpool during that time, but I'm pretty sure last season, Conlon did not miss a single Liverpool game. He watched Liverpool as religiously as he watched yeah. Manchester United Well, because I was hoping they would lose every single match. I was like, <laughs> right, this is going to be the match. They're going to lose. Burnley's going to shithouse it or something, and yeah. it never really happened, unfortunately. I mean, to be fair, well, last season Liverpool was amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Until they won, and then they... I mean... They went into party mode, but fair enough. Um, but back to your point, um, I don't know about you guys. Conlon said I didn't catch it. I caught it at the best time when it was nil-nil, and I thought fuck all was happening during that game. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Manchester City just exploded off of yeah. off of what they're capable, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. Liverpool look bad. Like, they no. don't just – they just don't look concerning. Like, at the moment, they look bad. Yeah, and we all thought they were back. Remember when we were like, "Oh, they're you know they they seem to solve their lack of center backs, uh, and all those issues, and they were back." And then all of a sudden, now they're ten points back of Man City. Did did Davis Davies or Davis or um, the Schalke guy, the Turkish kid? Did either of them back. play? No, no, no. Who actually was... started at center back for them? I'm pretty sure it was still um, Fabinho and Henderson. No. I mean, like, it, like speaks it, it, to, seems... it speaks to their quality that match that I didn't even know who was at center back for them. Yeah. Um, because, like, they didn't really create, well, not that the center backs are creating anything, but nothing really happened. And then when something did happen, it was just them getting scored on. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, yeah. When you two have, of those are Allison's fart. I was going to say that. Still. Yeah. It was Henderson but, and Firmino. Man. And if you, it didn't really matter who was at center back, I would think, because Alice, yeah, like what Colin said to go Colin's point. Allison made glaring, horrendous mistakes. Just inexplicable that, errors, honestly. That made no sense. You know, this isn't Carius we're talking about. It's <laughs> Allison we're talking about. Maybe Are the you, best keeper in the league. Maybe he's not the best keeper in the league. 
Well, I mean, how do we measure the best keeper? Not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I mean, it's it's not De Gea. Sorry. I mean, it's got to be the most expensive keeper in the league now. <laughs> sure, let's go with that logic. Isn't it? I was the best. Isn't it the Southampton McCarthy, the guy who just Is shipped he, nine goals? I know they weren't his fault. Maybe not. Him, like, okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Is it like Emiliano Martinez? Could be. Leno's not bad. Yeah. I, I mean, as much as Arsenal has been kind of up and down, mostly down, like he, he's always been pretty solid for them. I feel like Martinez at Aston Villa is has stopped the most shots out of anyone this season. He's been fantastic this year. Yeah. But no. are, are we saying like who's having the best year or who do we think is still like the best keeper? If you were a top team, who's a keeper you'd want at the top team? If you're a top team, which keeper in the league do you want? But there, there's different things for like a, a top club keeper and a mid table to bottom club keeper because someone like Carl, Carl Darlow has done like well for Newcastle, but he's going to be terrible in a top team because at a top team, you need like really good concentration. You need to be able to like turn it on to make the one save from that one shot the other team gets and then you pull out a one nil win. And doesn't the EPL ask so much out of their goalkeepers now? Like they now we have to play the ball at the back and distribute it so well and be a, like. Yeah. Remember when we're like, oh man, like look at um, uh, look at fuck Bayern's Bayern's Neuer. keeper Neuer. Thank you. <laughs> remember back when like Neuer rose to promise? And we're like, oh, what a fucking sweeper keeper! Like what a what a combination of skills he has, and now everyone just wants that. Yeah, and it's almost like teams are treating a keeper like an outfield player. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, what led to Allison's whoever was doing color on the game. I can't remember. Um, was it Gary Neville? I can't remember. I don't think it was. Anyway, whoever he made a good point that and said that it's almost, you know, if Allison would have just kicked those two, like those two mistakes he made, if he would have just huffed it up, you know, the field. Uh, like a normal goalkeeper who isn't me is supposed to be able to do, <laughs> then they would have been fine. And those wouldn't have, you know, the, those goals wouldn't have happened. But because of this new style and this, you know, this passing and build up play and all that, it's like frowned upon to just kick it as far as you can. Right. But it's kind of ironic in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think kicking it long though is still like a viable way to play, especially in the prem. You, you do, do need more possession, but also with the amount of like counter pressing, like Liverpool, I think play a lot of long balls, but it's because they counter press. So as long as they get it in your, your half, and then especially in the corners. So you were saying that the, like the center backs weren't creating much for Liverpool, but Van Dyke does that. He, he lumps it in the corner or, I mean, it's a bit more intentional than lumping it, but he puts it in the corner for Sally or, or Mane. Jesus, I don't know what I was saying. Did I say Sale or Mane? Anyway, uh, Sadio or Mo <laughs> will chase it and like counter press. Yeah. Um, and all credit to EPL. Like, not everyone has uh, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah on wow, the you're, wings. You're just to showing run, off, hope, to eh? run into these balls. <laughs> you can pronounce their names. Wow, Adida. Inshallah, I will pronounce their names correctly. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a debate because, I mean, like like you said, Adrian, it, it, it's not De Gea anymore. Um, sorry, Conlon, the Man U fan we have on our show today. Uh, Understandable. Yeah, those Allison mistakes are glaring, but could still be him. I don't know what you guys think about Ederson. 
does he really have to do that much? I don't know. Vicente Guaita on Palace is kind of another one in the mold of Adrian said, where it seems like every game he makes two or three really, really big saves uh, that maybe make it seem like he's better than he is. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know, keepers on those, on those mid table, bottom table clubs are definitely way more exposed. So it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It really is. Yeah. Like for a long time, I remember back when Swansea was lost in the Premier League, it was Fabianski as their keeper. And he would always be, you know, top of the charts for most amount of saves in each season. And I think he's shown that he is like, he is one of, I'd say the definitely top half keepers in the Premier League, but you would never say like, Oh, is he the best keeper in the league? Or is he just, he's very busy and he's a very good shot stopper, but there were never after he left Arsenal, there were never really any shots of him going back to like a top six team or anything. There were a couple of years where I think this said more about United than anything where De Gea was either first or second in amount of saves made. But I think it's just obviously should never be the case at a team like United, but that that is when you could say, oh, he is the best keeper in the league, which obviously maybe not not the case in the last couple of years, but if I could just jump in, because I'm just looking at a fun little stat. We're just talking about like Allison and Ed, uh, not Ed Air, Ederson. Ederson. Um, Ed Air's the the Portuguese striker, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Euro winner and, and the Italian striker too. And yeah, you're right. There's two of them. Um, we're just talking I dare about, like, say there's two of them. And how people from East London say header. <laughs> Come on, you fucking no. mug. Get the fucking ball. <laughs> Uh, that's gonna go in um yeah no sorry i was just looking at the stat of uh pass completion on passes for over 40 yards from goalkeepers and allison and ederson aren't even in the top three now they're in the top five um but the top three number is mess from um leeds oh wow yeah uh rui patricio and number one our lord and savior eduard mendy wow (laughs) Yeah, who completes fifty-two percent of his passes over forty yards, uh, and yeah, just to just to hurt our hearts a little bit, uh, Mesley was born in two thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> really? I mean, he looks like he was born in two thousand. Yeah, no, he, he's such a skinny. Wow. Kid. No other keeper in the top ten is born after nineteen ninety four. Really? And then there's just this 20-year-old kid tearing it up. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Goalkeeper's Seriously. a position that I always think of as like, you got to have that old man who's grizzled yeah. and has seen the shots flying yeah. over his head, screams at night because he Seriously. can picture the shots going like over his head. Brad Friedel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Brad like the Guzan. picture of Brad Friedel. Man, that's the same thing in hockey too, though, where for some reason teams are like, oh, we'll sign a 39-year-old Henrik Lundqvist. And while we have this like 22 year old amazing future stars waiting in the wings, and it doesn't make sense. Hand over the reins, seriously. It's called seniority and pecking order. (laughs) Speaking of seniority, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Did you guys watch Tom Brady win yet another championship? I know this is a soccer podcast, but there's a specific reason why I bring this up. We are a football podcast. It's true. It's true. Um, So I, I have two. I have two observations from the Super Bowl that I wanted to uh, uh, bring onto the show. 
as Adrian left. Clearly, he doesn't care about this topic. <laughs> Clearly, he is done with the show. Uh, he is gone. But anyways, Conlon and Hope. Um, yeah, did you guys watch the game? Just first of all, what did you guys think? I mean, it's if kind of a dud of a game in the end, yeah. I guess. We're not really having any attachment to either team. You, you'd expect a... Yeah, you'd, you'd hope for a good game, and it, it definitely wasn't that, but... I mean, I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, I'm, I'm this. I was the same way. I was chatting with Conlon during the game about, it. like, I I could not, I do not care about which one of these teams wins the Super Bowl. But I mean, like, as just a fan of sports and of athletics, like, there's a ton of storylines that are super fun in there. Like, Patrick Mahomes for all the criticism and his Kermit the Frog voice. Like, even though he was running for his life for 60 minutes, the kid throws hell like amazing passes. If only someone yeah. could get on the end of them, but the kid's amazing. But like, I like for me, what was super fun is like I, I don't, I'm not a huge f- football fan, so I don't really care about like the Tom Brady hate or love. But I kind of love that he's like what 43 years old. Yeah, he goes up against this quarterback who's who's supposed to be the next star in the league. He's on the cover of Madden, and he's like, "Hold up, young blood, I'm not dead yet. Like this is still mine, by the way. Yeah, come back yeah. next year." Like, it's okay. Just hold this real quick. This is mine for now. And when I'm done, you can have it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like the guy's amazing for, for whatever you feel about him and his open mouth kissing of his kids. <laughs> oh, the guy can weird. play. He yeah, also like, has I, like a, a really weird trainer or something. Like, I forget yeah. it. Some guy who you probably know more about it than me, but he's like a real, real weirdo huckster, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has some weird like regimen that like rich people always talk about that's great but only rich people can do it and it just sounds bizarre but then it works for him so i guess who are we to criticize and i think he was kind of like on the forefront of the whole um like yoga stretching plyometrics kind of thing because the thing with brady is like he was never like the most athletic uh he was never the biggest he was never the fastest he could never really run but somehow he, he, you know, he he's played like what eighteen years, and he missed one of them with injury, and it's it's pretty insane. Uh, so so the first kind of question, like the first kind of soccer related Super Bowl question that I had for you guys is during the game, and I mentioned this in the chat. Uh, Tony Romo brought up a great stat. Not hundred percent sure if it's right or not, uh, so I probably should have googled this. But you know what? I'm just a small time podcast host, so who cares? Uh, but he said of the four North American sports, ten, the Buccaneers had the worst winning percentage of all time for the whole time that they've been around as a team. And then you put Tom Brady on the team and then all of a sudden they go on to win a Super Bowl uh, with basically the same team, barring a few additions like Gronkowski, who came out of retirement, Antonio Brown, who came out of wherever he was doing whatever it was he was doing. Uh, and then Leonard Fournette, who they just picked up off waivers, all played big roles in the game. But aside from those guys, they basically had the same team. So I, I was kind of wondering what you guys thought of, of first of all, like who the soccer equivalent of Brady would be and what kind of team that you could just lump this person on and they could go on to win. So my example was like, if you put Ronaldo, if you put Cristiano Ronaldo on Palace, do you guys think they win the Prem? Or win the Champions League, or kind of what? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Interested to hear what you what you what you have to say. I think Palace might crack the top ten if they had Ronaldo. <laughs> like that's 
That's silly. Like <laughs> you still need a team. Someone still needs to pass in the ball. So like yeah. th- there's a great thing too. I, I haven't double checked it, but it's something to the effect of the amount of goals you score is very closely correlated to the um, amount of points you have at the end of the season. Like right. they're, they're very, very similar. So Ronaldo isn't going to get, I don't even know if he's top scorer, if he's on palace, but he's going to get like right. 15, 20 goals in the league. So, and, and that's on top of what palace would normally get. They probably base their whole game around him. So yeah, they might be able to crack the top 10, but I don't, they're, they're not going to win the league. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Yeah. I mean, what team, maybe Man U would have a better chance. But then again, like, I don't know if, if Ronaldo would be more effective than Edison Cavani. I don't know why Cavani wouldn't start for me. And he could, like, I know Ronaldo's become more of a, just like, forward. But he could still, I feel like he could still do an all right job out on the left with Cavani in the middle. So, I, I think if Solskjaer is really a mastermind, he can find a way to fit both <laughs> Ronaldo and Cavani into the same team. Sorry, between like Hope's expression and if Solskjaer is a mastermind, it's just like I'll say the same thing that I said yeah. to Nick. You know, it's not. It's not the case. He's better. He's better than like, people for our age. Look, but look. like that's why you don't have to be a genius to figure out a way for both of them to play in a team and be effective on a front line. I think. Like uh, you cut in off the side, you stand in the middle and like head the ball in. It's uh, not rocket science. Look, it's for me. It's a thing of like you know. You talk about Tom Brady. We talk about Tom Brady not amongst the likes. We don't even talk about Tom Brady and compare him to other American football players. We talk to talk about Tom Brady and we compare him to Kobe Bryant. We compare him to Michael Jordan. We compare LeBron him James. to Tiger Woods. We compare him to LeBron James. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing with Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, where it's like if you put them on a shit football team would that shit football team no longer be shit no they wouldn't be shit anymore but they wouldn't be winning any leagues Mm. um it for these stars it's they these stars form the team when they get there uh so when we talk about would they win the league or not well it it, it depends on when they join the team and who they're able to add at that time if you add Ronaldo to Crystal Palace in the January window, they're not climbing back from wherever they are and winning the league. If you add him in the summertime with a full transfer window available and people know they can play with Ronaldo, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's kind of what I was thinking too because so many of the Buccaneers players and staff kind of talked about how when Brady got there, he just made everyone around better by just increasing the standard of the whole team itself. So that's kind of a guy like Ronaldo or Messi. One, they increase increase the attention. They increase the standard. All of a sudden, everyone's watching you. Uh, if you're Palace or if you're Newcastle or if you're Man U, uh, you know, those small small teams like that, um, everyone's watching you. All eyes are on you, right? So all of a sudden, you have that expectation, and then it makes you train harder. It makes you better. And then all of a sudden, like, Ronaldo brings all his friends on or Messi brings his friends. Like, all of a sudden, you know, you here's, you know, Neymar and and I don't know. Lavetsi, maybe if they're friends, I don't know. I don't know who Messi's friends are, but that's kind of like there's definitely the the other machinations that happen after a guy like that joins your team. 
there's also like when Ibra joined Man U, I think Mourinho was like part of the reason is he's just so influential in the in training. You watch him train and you sort of see the example like I got to hit that. That's what someone who plays until they're like 39, 40 trains like. Exactly. And if and and there's stories of, you know, Brady walking in there and then if you make a mistake in practice, there's Brady on the sideline yelling at you and He's one of those people that like, if you disappoint him or if he doesn't like you, then all of a sudden, like, you know, then you're not playing anymore because he has that influence. So it's kind of like that. If we want to transition here, speaking about a player coming in and transforming things, it was a pretty quiet January transfer window. Do we want to just go over some of the notable transfers that did happen? Yeah, I would love to hear like the transfers that you guys thought were really notable and maybe even like some of the transfers that you guys thought were shit maybe had potential and were shit i can think of a couple can you <laughs> can you dear listener uh yeah it's february 9th that so we should be able to give balanced judgment oh, on all the january business right <laughs> why I wait mean, the window closed only seven days ago right yeah uh no but we could we could give it first impressions i was looking at this and like uh last episode as much as i was sort of not criticizing, but saying how much is Joe Willick going to really change things? He came on in his first game for the club and scored. And immediately (laughs) in a way where you could see how he would fit into the team in a really good influential way, because, you know, he said after the game, I always look to drive into the box and that's perfect for San Maximin because, or, Oh, someone calls him something hilarious. Like Paul Merson calls San Maximin, like, like Sam Maximum or something like that. Yes. It's not exactly that, but it's some Max stupid. Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, Sam Maximum, like he drives into the box. He doesn't really cross from wide. He kind of drives into the box, beats a few players, and then looks for someone. And Joe Willock looks like he can be that person. And then you have Jesse Lingard scoring two goals in his first two games for West Ham. So there, there have been some people who have made like instant impacts. My my dad watches a lot of Swansea, like he's still it was, it was, he was um, a supporter of them when they were in the Premier League and now they're obviously back in the Championship, but they got a uh, Connor Hurahan on loan from Aston Villa, and he scored something like he's not even really in there to score that much, but he scored like three goals in three games. He just absolutely runs the midfield, gets the ball, gets it immediately to another player, and this is a team that has I think the best defense in the entire football league but they just couldn't score. That's why they're not winning the league right now. They're right up there, but they, that's why I can't pull away. And now he comes in and he just makes such a big difference in calmness and passing the ball. And I know, I think Villa wanted to keep him, but he just, you know, wasn't starting, but at the championship level, he's just exceeding expectations already and adding stuff. He's maybe not even expected to add. I had one that a smaller one. That's kind of a bit off the board that I liked, but I'm happy to see that Takumi Minamino uh, got out of Liverpool and went over to Southampton uh, just because like in the few in the few appearances he made for Liverpool not that he did much but you know he was an exciting player coming over uh, and never really got his chance which makes sense I mean Liverpool has so many attacking options right and you know you kind of get buried a little bit and it's nice to see him you know come in to a team like Southampton where you can start where you can play every day uh, and and make an impact on the team, and that that's probably my favorite one. And then he scored a screamer, didn't he, in his, in his first game? 
against uh, Newcastle. Against yeah, <laughs> he scored. Oh, no, it's, it's a it's a really nice goal. Yeah, and and it's like that kind of thing that like, you know, it's kind of like those those. I wish Palace would, you know, pick up players like that more often. But I mean, they got Mate, Mateta, who didn't really that that was their big signing, and he hasn't really done much yet. I think he's played once, so can't really judge. I was interested to see. I think his name is Maya or maybe Maha. I don't know. Oh, Josh Maja. Maja. Oh, okay. from, from Sunderland. From yeah. Sunderland. So he went yeah. from Sunderland to Bordeaux. Yeah. And now he's at Fulham. He was in so the, just, the Sunderland till I die. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested. I remember my dad, who's a Sunderland fan, was really like, why would you go to, why would you go to France? <laughs> and I, I was like, well, he doesn't want to be in league one. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember watching Sunderland till I died. Didn't he? Like Bordeaux offered it, offered them one million pounds, I think, for him, and it was like Sunderland was in such a dire financial state that it was like they couldn't refuse that, even though he was like their best player by a, a long shot. They just losing to Bordeaux, it's so weird. I mean, could you imagine? Like now, I don't know much about Bordeaux, and I don't know much about Sunderland, <laughs> but could you imagine someone being like, "Hey, like I want to play." in in france in bordeaux where you know it's a little bit of a different culture than sunderland (laughs) and you know you just have the opportunity for different football you're not playing in league one anymore i mean like yeah you got to take your opportunities that's what that's the best thing that english players are doing for themselves now is not buying into the fact that you need to be a homegrown boy like it is it is just purely marketing and and it's predatory by the teams to to try and convince these players that your future is only with this club. If you leave, no one else is going to look after you. The only person that's going to look after you is yourself. Like, look at these Chelsea players. Look at Lucas Piazon, who just transferred out of out of Chelsea this January to I think Braga. Mm-hmm. We bought him eight eight years ago. Yeah. And he came in, and I think he had like four goals in a season once, uh, but never really made the team because we kept switching managers and he kept going on loans. And where is he now? I'm sure he's making he made a tidy wage, but like you can't depend on these clubs, especially these top top clubs, uh, yeah, to, to look after you. Yeah, I mean that's like the case with so many Chelsea players. Atsu, who went to Newcastle, like he had more appearances for Ghana than in the Premier League for a long yeah. time, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I think that's another thing from this transfer window that was nice to see is kind of who just left. Yeah. Like, it was nice to see Ozil finally leave. Yeah, yeah. Because now yeah, he can... Play games. He can play games <laughs> in Turkey yeah. and, and have a good time. It sucks that Gunnar Soros didn't take him up on his offer to pay his wage and keep Gunnar <laughs> Soros there. Because honestly, if you're Ozil, you may as well. You make like what? You could pay, you could pay his yearly salary in a week. Not even, yeah probably Handling. maybe Several, like so it, it might even over. yeah and it might even be a game like some of these guys earn so much that one game like some of these guys make more money in a game than i do in a year it's very upsetting i don't want to talk about this or think about that if it makes you feel better nick uh, about these about these guys that are making more than your yearly salary my yearly salary in a week um these guys are are some of the best in the world at their position, uh, best in the world at what they do. They've dedicated their lives to it since they were about eight years old. And we are all, you know, 
almost 30 years old and starting a podcast. So <laughs> I think it evens out. <laughs> so what you're saying is it makes a lot, it makes sense. Uh, speaking of podcasts and having one, um, we have, we have a guest on our podcast. Uh, so I feel bad. I feel like we haven't thrown it to Conlon as much in the last little bit. So Conlon, what's like the best Man U transfer? Because this will help us get a hashtag, you know, that we can throw in and maybe get some more attention for Man U and, and we don't have to listen. So you can speak directly to the listener here. Sounds good. Are we talking just for this season? Because obviously if you move back to January of last year, it's a pretty clear answer. Conlon's but... just breaking the rules. He's like, can yeah. we go back in the entire yeah. history of Manchester Wayne Rooney, United? Eric Cantona was uh, good. I mean, we I, bought I, Cantona for 1.4 million pounds. Can you believe it? Not a bad deal. No, I think um, out, of, out of this season, I mean, there, there haven't been a lot of signings. There are a couple of young right-wingers we got um, more for the future, but it's, it's been Cavani. Mostly, although you could make an argument for Telish. Not not because of anything he's specifically done, but just because it's made Luke Shaw realize, like, oh, shit, I have to actually play, like, great every game. Because he's been fantastic for United, especially over the last several months. They're kind of rotating to start, and then Shaw's just been playing almost every important game. And that's just having that competition in there. Like, Shaw, he, I think, had the most amount of like created the most opportunities out of any fullback in the league this season. So he's been great going forward and he's been good defensively. He's always had good runs of form, but this is definitely the most extended one. He is still injury prone. So I'm worried about that. But as far as a player actually making the impact themselves, I mean, it's Cavani. He's come in his work rate, his goals, just giving a different option. Like I don't want to get into Marshall's situation that much just because it's upsetting. But I was I, literally going to ask you about that. I've been a big fan of him for a while. And I thought after last season, he's, he finally got his starting role at the number nine position. This is what he's wanted. And he delivered for the most part at 17 goals in the league was the leading score in all comps for the team. I can't remember how many goals and that was without taking penalties and his hold up play, his movement, his finishing was good. And then this year it's just, you know, evaporated. But even if he was in better form, just having Cavani as that experience, like we talked about with Ibra, so similar to that, he brings you the experience, but he also just, even Marshall at his best, he, he's not, you know, busting a gut to like get back or win the ball or always making runs. Like some, but some games he will maybe put in a bit more effort, but that's not, that's not something he that's really in his locker that much. And Cavani just gives you that other option. I know when uh, when he was bought, a lot of people were saying this isn't uh, this is a panic buy. It's like probably, but as long as you're not giving him Sanchez wages, there wasn't really a downside. And it's like okay, if he didn't perform, it's you're paying him a little bit less than some of the highest paid guys on the team, anyways. But I think he's yeah he he's been he's been great this season. But, I mean, outside of that, the only other signs you've had are Van de Beek and Diallo and uh, Palestri on the right wing, neither of whom's actually played for the senior team yet. And I think uh, Palestri went out on loan. Like, obviously, Van de Beek's barely played. Started today, but he just – and actually, yeah, just to touch on him real quick, he's 
it's it's weird because every time he plays, he looks good. You know, he has good ball retention. He'll find open players, but he's just not having an impact. Like he'll make a pass, but it's just not a it's not a pass that is going to tear open the defense. Partly that's due to maybe other players not rotating or ro- rotating around him or getting into positions, but he's just not. You just look at how much more dynamic the team look, looks when Bruno comes in. So it's tough to say. Like he hasn't really done anything wrong, and it's also tough to not play for weeks and then come in and be asked to like run the team essentially. But yeah, there's just like no sort of excitement or like definement to his play style. Can I ask one more Man U related question before we go to predictions? We'll see what the question is, I guess. Yeah, so so going back to the Super Bowl, uh, uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on the fact that uh, the Buccaneers and United have the same ownership, the Glazers, and uh, the Glazers brought a championship to Tampa Bay before they brought one to Manchester. So how does our, our biggest Man U fan feel about this? I mean, I won't pretend to know, like all the details about their sort of leveraged buyout. And I know the fact they use all this debt. They do invest money in the team, maybe not always when they should and not always wide wisely, but I mean, they're not the ones choosing the players. So I don't know if you can put it all on them. And but yeah, I, I don't really know the details about why it's horrible. I just know it's not good. <laughs> if that makes any sense. The, the one interesting thing, the, uh, what's his face? One of the fucking Glazers. They all look the same. Um, well, one of the things, he, <laughs> <laughs> like I remember, they used to go to games and like they would all have like these, these bald heads with like a little rat tail. It's like what? Why is what? This a good luck? <laughs> like they had, they looked just so gross. I don't know what exactly you mean, but I have the best picture in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's so evocative. It couldn't have been a true rat tail. Why am I picturing Mr. Ratbird? It wasn't far off. They seem, they sound to me like some sort of weird, like Mad Max society, like (laughs) a bald man with rat tails. It was all got Jeeps or something. Yeah. I don't know. They just (laughs) all got Jeeps with guitars on the back. (laughs) <laughs> the hey, the guitar the guitarist in Mad Max wore red, so clearly yeah. he was a United fan. How does it feel that Man U is owned by a group of Florida people? No, I mean it's not it's not ideal. I do think, just sort of, without getting into the good or bad about them, the one interesting thing the guy said at the end of the game was, "Oh, like we wanted to win a championship, so we just went out and got the guy who'd won." several championships and kind of going back into what you're saying before you're saying oh like who's a player that could come in it's like by that logic you just want to go out and buy the guy who's won the most amount of Premier League titles which like off the top of my head I'm not sure who that would be would it be someone like Espella Cueta is he the player that (laughs) so like if he'd be a hell of an addition to your back line I'll tell you that I'd take him but like that, that's sort of what I got out of that was that, okay, next summer, United is going to go and just buy players solely based on how many Premier League titles they've won. Well, I think it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like Man U buying Van Persie though. Yeah. Like he didn't win the title with Arsenal, but he did score like hatfuls of goals. The proven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was definitely a, 
I, I see this written like gospel about, oh, this is the way it happened. So that you, you never really know. But apparently Ferguson was going to retire possibly the year before. And then that was the year City won it that last game. Just moving on past that. Uh, it's so, okay, he's basically got one seat. You've got one season left probably. You need had one player to make the difference. And he went for the guy that was the only player that had more goals than United at the time. It's kind of, I can't, won the league pretty easily. So, right. I'm, I'm hope, but that it's not like the Glazers are, I don't think the Glazers know shit about soccer. So, it's, it's not <laughs> like they're the ones identifying these targets about, oh, who, who would uh, add this like proven record to, to the team? But I mean, I, it's not exactly happy. I'm not watching. I, it's like, oh, thank God for the like United financial group that the Glazers yeah. are winning a title here. And you're, it's true because I don't know how much they know about football either. Because, yeah. like, because the, you know, bringing in Brady was so widely criticized. You know, like people thought that he was done and he had a bad year and everything. So it's, yeah. you know, I, they look like geniuses now, but I mean, yeah. at the time, it's like, nah, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, so, yeah, is he the one making the football? Like, you look at someone like Jerry Jones, maybe he's actually making more decisions. But yeah, like, I'm not thinking the Glazers are the one like pouring over a chalkboard about, okay, like, what missing piece can we put in here? Right. Which also brings you to the point, like, it's, I hate how they give the trophy to the owners first. Yeah, it's the worst. It's like, oh, I don't know anything about football, but I sure know a lot about making money. It's like, great. Like, can you give it to somebody else who actually has something to say about the situation? I just have this image in my head now of of five bald, rat-tailed, 65 year old men looking at a picture of Messi being like, nah. Well, yes, if you're, that's if you're right. <laughs> if you remember the Glazer family and you're listening, let us know your thoughts. Do you know about football? And also, send us photo, money. <laughs> send us money. Send us a photo of your rat tail. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, hold on a second. I just got an email oh. uh, from the Glazers <laughs> and uh, they're saying they heard what we were saying and they said, screw you, Conlon. We're going to sell Martial in the summer. So don't straight, worry. Straight from Tom Brady is coming to Manchester. <laughs> you, oh man, that's great. You sold that really well. Well, I went I to like... theater school for four years. <laughs> you sold that. You got to cut well. that because I'm so shit on the podcast. People can't know. <laughs> Man, but a podcast isn't acting. Okay? Yeah, That's I know, but I, you need to know. my my speech should be. I can't even say Sally and and Manu. Why did I spend so much time in 2010 lying on the floor if it wasn't being able to pronounce last names? You need. You just need to play a character on this show. That's it. You oh, need to do scary you, transition. What do you yeah, think? You need Hamlet? to play a character. <laughs> I can't speak. There is a sword in my sternum. Okay. Welcome back. We're here with predictions. I'm super psyched about this one. I spent like four hours today updating some stuff. I know it's an audio medium, but I'm going to share a screen and just get you guys to react to this. This is what I did for about two or two and a half hours. Uh, I made us a proper table. So you can see here, we have to decide like what our tiebreakers are. 
but now I've got, I've got like, oh crap. Okay, here we go. We've got points, you got ranks, we got how many weeks you participated in, how many weeks you won. <laughs> Uh, PPW, which is points per week average. So you can see Conlon, who is our number one ranked. He's got 5.2, but Adian, his average per week is actually 5.25. Thank God I have Adian's punctuality to give me the lead here. Yeah. And we have different numbers of predictions. Sorry, I'll keep going because uh, we have different numbers of predictions based on what week you missed, what games got canceled that week's that random time when I thought the Carlin cup final was in January. <laughs> <laughs> and also there's, there's been a couple special ones that I haven't been able to participate in. So I've done every week, but I've done two less than the three of you. Uh, we have the PP. So you can see that uh, that's points per prediction. So that's like points divided by total prediction. So you can see that Conlon has the biggest PP. Adian's PP is about the same, <laughs> about the same size. Guys, my mom listened to an episode and she was like, you swear so much. <laughs> just infantile humor. Hi, Sharon. Anyway, so there's a whole bunch of stuff I throw in here. Uh, some interesting statistics, and then we can actually get into it. The most correct results is Nick, who is ranked fourth in our, out of seven. Hey. Nick has correctly predicted 19 games, but only one of those was a perfect prediction. Oh, wow. So... He's only got like 21 points. Um, me um, and Conlon both have four perfect predictions, but he's got two more correct results. Wow. And uh, you have your highest week total. No one's got more than eight out of a possible 30 points. But I mean, 30 points, you get 10 perfect results. You're not going to. Adrian, uh, uh, yeah. before you launch into this, can I just say, one, uh, I love this. This is amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm a big fan of the analytics. Uh, mm -hmm. I love how you baked in a system, uh, a points percentage system in case our predictions get postponed or in case you you uh, accidentally uh, pick a game that's happening in 2024, <laughs> which might happen. Uh, so this is great. Also, we want to welcome to Conlon to the uh, prediction uh, roundtable, the prediction segment, because this is the first time on the uh, on the on on a show where we do this. So welcome, Conlon. This is the best part of the show and uh, glad to have you aboard. All right, that's my piece. I'm going to put my hand down. Okay, perfect. And Conlon, you've also been ahead since like week one. So it's good to finally have so you here. We have because... the, the, we've never had the leader on. This is crazy. Yeah. And I won't I, be there for long. I cooked you one up special for this week because like I said, I was, I was on my computer for like four hours this morning. The other like hour and a half was getting these predictions because all of our seven random predictions are rivalries from around the world, mostly mm. Europe, but from around the world. And let's jump into them. The first one is the Basel-Zurich rivalry. That's obviously in Switzerland and Zurich is hosting Basel. And for this time, we're just gonna go every time, Hope, Nick, Conlon, me. So Hope, start us off. Basel, 2-0. No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I next? Yeah, jump in. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Basil. Uh, and now that you told me, I'm going to put a little bit more uh, thought into my score predictions because I haven't, I've had the, the most right ones, but my score prediction is bad. Uh, so I'm also going to go 2 0. I got to say, that's really poor sportsmanship based on the amount of thinking that's expected during this <laughs> round. Uh, uh, Conlon. 2 1 Basil. 
Ooh, very nice. Uh, I'm going to go one, three, Basil. Not brave enough to go against the grain here. Uh, so now we have El Classique from Andorra. It's Santa Coloma versus San Julia. I spoke poorly of, uh, of clubs named after women in a previous podcast. Uh, so it's my dear San Julia. You're just going to draw today. A nil-nil. Not even going to score. Uh, people who know me might know my uh, dating history with uh, women named Julia. So I am going to take Santa Coloma uh, 4 0. I've known you for like five years and I don't know your dating history with Santa Coloma. Or with hey, Santa Coloma. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Girls, plural? Right. I can't believe it. My hey, dating history with women Nick named Coloma girls. is way better than that with uh, the, those named Julia. Let's just put it that way. That. Uh, moving on. Yeah, uh, Colin, Colin, which one of these yeah. teams would you rather take out to dinner? To defend the Julias, 1 0 San Julia. I like the name. <laughs> St. Julia. I don't know if they speak French or Spanish there. I think it's both. And Dorish. And Dorish. Uh, I'm going to give it one. Oh, that's the same. I'm not going to copy Conlon. I'm going to say 2-0 to St. Julia. Okay. We're going back to Cyprus. We've been there a few times. Now we've got AEL hosting Apollon in the Limassol Derby. Ooh. I just want to double back, guys. If it's in Andorra, I'm pretty sure they speak Catalan. Really? I was going to make a joke about them speaking Basque, but I'm pretty sure in Andorra they speak Catalan. I mean, that would make sense. Andorra. Yeah. Andorra. <laughs> Pyrenees. Okay. Uh, AEL. What does AEL stand for? I don't know. I didn't look it up. This took okay. me so long. I was just trying to find something. I felt like I was drowning. <laughs> I was Aww. sifting through. I was so mad. I found two university teams in Chile and they weren't even rivals and they were playing. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Well, to save, to save Adrian from drowning, he can always pray to the great God, Apollo, God of the sun. He'll come down and grab Adrian out of his stupor and beat down AEL to a one nil win. You know, I'm, ha- I'm happy Adrian spends so much time on these predictions uh, and I'm happy that, you know, it causes, or I'm not happy that it causes him to drown off the coast of Cyprus uh, but to make him feel like he spent his time has been well spent, I am going to uh, uh, predict a very exciting nil-nil in this one. And I remember in Troy when uh, Achilles cuts off the head of the god Apollo and he's nothing happens to him. So I think the same thing will happen to Apollon this game. It'll be 2-0 AEL. And I don't remember that. So I'm going <laughs> to put it as a 1-1 draw. So now we're going to the Moravian Derby. This can be a lot of teams. As long as you're in Moravia, it's a Moravian derby, baby. So it's Zbrovyokia Brno versus Fastav Zlin. You know, the first one is spelled really oddly to me, and that's exciting. So they're going to win 3 <laughs> 0. Okay, we're, I'm not even going to touch the first name. Uh, and so I'm just going to say that Fostov Jlin is going to get out, get off to a fast start oh, and uh, carry this to a 3-1 victory. Conlon, you're thinking too much. Um, <laughs> uh, 2-0 Berno. There you go. You got to go with your gut. You're the champion. Oh, it's Berno? I thought it was Bimo. Am I losing in the table to a man who can't read? I'm very upset. Hey, man, that's just 
that's just fishing. It can happen to anyone. I'm very upset that I'm I'm behind someone who is illiterate in our table. This is very I'm rattled. Very rattled by this. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna put it's it as about a two, education. Two one two first and uh, speaking of illiterate, it's the Blackburn <laughs> Preston Derby. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, uh, presumably someone in one of those two areas over the course of history has been illiterate. So it's a valid so, segue. So is it Blackburn Rovers versus Preston North End? Yeah. Man, when I worked at Home Depot, there was a guy in the tiles, in the tiling section that wore a Blackburn Rovers shirt every single day that I had seen him there working. And like we weren't in the same department, so I would never speak with him. But on the one occasion I spoke with him, like, man, like that's all like I've you rarely run into soccer fans and I didn't I it's rare that you run into a Blackburn Rovers fan like that's amazing and he said to me he's like oh thanks what is that (laughs) I was so disappointed I'm like oh that sure I just thought you were a massive Blackburn Rovers fan and he said oh no this is just the coolest shirt I own in terms of like temperature he found it at Value Village (laughs) that's amazing so due to that slight I think Blackburn Rovers are going to win uh, uh, 3-1. <laughs> That'll put some fire in their bellies. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Blackburn. Um, that was a beautiful story. I'm also going to take Blackburn Rovers. Uh, they're going to win 2-0. And I'm only taking that because I believe that Canadian national team keeper Jason Lutweiler plays for Blackburn. I could be wrong. I probably am, but I don't think I am. I can't research, so I'm going to go with my gut. Take 2-0. Um. One one. I'm gonna no put good it, reason for that. I'm gonna put it three two to Blackburn. Three goals, hat trick from Adam Armstrong, Newcastle youth product, and I'm gonna put two for Press North End because Canada's national keeper is in net for Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> so now it is Clasico Costeño. Anyway, it's another Spanish thing that I can't pronounce. It's Union Magdalena hosting Real Cartagena. Uh, I'm expecting a, um, let's see, a 2-0, 2-1 win for Union uh, Magdalena scored by Mary Magdalena. Hmm. Uh, my dating history with women named Magdalena is almost as poor as it is with women named Julia. So I'm going with Real Cartagena uh 3-1 okay we have a nice romantic score line in favor of cartagena Con- uh 2-2 that would be a good game <laughs> uh cartagena i've been there it's a beautiful city magdalena is a river and i think it's gonna wash all over them <laughs> anyway we'll cut that <laughs> uh, no we will not i don't know i feel like cartagena is probably not that good so i'm gonna say 3-0 i'm gonna go big with this one Oh, and the last one, this is called the political derby, and it's Beitar Jerusalem versus Maccabee Haifa. And I realized after the game, it's like the Maccabees, right? Like the tribe of Israel. Yes. Everyone said exactly. Maccabi. I said Maccabi, and everyone followed me. Mugabe, like your ro- roommate? That is not. That's not what this is about. Ex roommate. He's a he's a great guy. I just moved. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's not a real Maccabi. Yeah, once I found that out, 
I was like, I've been calling you the wrong thing for five years or whatever. So, so sorry, before I even put my thing in, what does, so it's Maccabee. What does that even, what does that actually mean? Cause in the last one, in our last podcast, Richard chimed in and he's like, it's a Jewish thing. <laughs> so we didn't really get any answer. I think, I think it's yeah. the Maccabees, right? It is. That's one of the tribes of Israel. I'm breaking the, I'm breaking the rules. I'm breaking the rules. I'm I think on he's making I'm it up on Wikipedia. Uh, Are you, my, you're going to uh, deduct points, but I'm not researching the game. Uh, I just wanted to uh, to clarify the meaning of Maccabee. Is that okay? Or yeah, I, I will allow it. I will allow, allow it. it. Okay. So it says here uh, they're a group of Jewish rebel warriors, and they're basically just that. That's my you know uh, little bit of research that I did. So I guess they just based okay, so things around that. All right, so if, since that informs my predictions, I'm going to give Maccabee Haifa a 3-0 win over Beitar Jerusalem because of what's been explained to me, they sound like the Red Star team of their country. Uh, like how that just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was a long time ago. I think this was like, this was, was this like Roman times, Nick? The Maccabees? Yeah. Yeah, it was like they were they were big in the history in the story of Hanukkah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Going back to that. I think they were the they were the force that basically reclaimed Israel from the Egyptians or Greeks or whoever it was. I forget my Hebrew school uh, uh history. We're gonna go with Maccabee Haifa two nil, and that's it. Uh three one Maccabee. I love how Conlon is going to get every single one of these perfect with no bants at all. Straight up, straight up to the point. This is why. This is why. Yeah, we're business. out here making jokes, and Conlon's actually trying to make predictions. I'm going to put. I want to win this uh, mystery prize at the end of the season. It's a signed picture of uh, the Glazer family. <laughs> it's already a right. surprise. I put it as as one nil for Haifa because I I look on Wikipedia sometimes just to make sure that my info is right on the theme. And I'm pretty sure Jerusalem is the more right-wing team, so I'll go with the, the other team. I assume they're on the other wing here. Okay, Which next. is the team that was... Oh, sorry. Um, which is mm-hmm. the team that was just bought by, like, an Arab owner, but the fans are super racist? I think it might be this team. That I think it right. might be. I'm, I'm I think not it sure, was, though. I think it was Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> I think that fits the description perfectly. Yeah, we hate the Cockneys. Uh, Cockney yeah. Matthew out. Uh, so next, our special prediction. Uh, the, one of the oldest rivalries of all time, uh, cats versus dogs. So this was like a little YouTube video by a mobile game in their like, marketing department, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the game because... I don't want to give them more publicity, but they had a little YouTube video where they got some some cats and dogs to hit a little ball around into a net. Guys, I'm not going to lie. I think it was staged a little bit. <laughs> There's some quite convenient cuts, but nevertheless, we're going to treat it as real games. So let me know. What do you think? Hope it. I feel like dogs love fetching balls more, but I've seen a lot more impressive cat goalkeepers on youtube and on instagram uh but i'm gonna give it to the dogs this is there's an actual score for this three yeah. three 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 uh, <laughs> um okay i 
if I could do a little bit of analysis to me, to me, dogs seem just too happy to uh, aloof, not coordinated and organized enough to form a competent football squad team. Whereas cats seem like they're just there to win, to go for the jugular, uh, more clinical. Um, so I, I'm going to have to go with cats. Uh, even though I'm a dog person, I'm going to go against my moral fibers and go with the cat squad. Uh, and I'm going to go with one nil. I feel like this is staged to the point where it's like, all right, guys, let's get one in the net and then call this because this is going to take forever. So Nick, he says that he, he hates cats and he hates dogs, but he hates dogs less. <laughs> so uh, send Nick an email about how much he hates animals. <laughs> Conlon. This is tough because I agree with Pope about what he said about uh, cat keepers. But then I'm just saying like, all these cats are going to be just out there disinterested, individualistic, like not making the runs and not sacrificing for the team. But I just think dogs might be, I love dogs, but they might be too cohesive. So can I, so I'm going to go. Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Comment. I just think it, maybe it's fair that I explain the game a little more. Uh, it was like a one-on-one situation. Oh, it's just, it's, they're not trying to pass. No, it's freaking like, five it's, cats and five dogs or something. No, it's I didn't like, get the it's, info. No, no, no. You can change yours, but it's no, one cat and one dog. They're never in the same shot, so I'm pretty sure it's staged. Um, <laughs> it's, it looks like kind of a, a long-haired chihuahua on the oh. one team. It's wearing a lovely blue sweater. And then wearing an <laughs> orange harness is a Himalayan cat or a Persian cat. I'm not sure which. So there's long-haired white cats. And then like an orange cat as a sub. I really dislike chihuahuas, so five nothing cats. Okay, and Almond's what do you downstairs think? neighbor has a chihuahua just in case <laughs> so you want to know why. Interesting, interesting logic. Okay, well, let's move into premiership games. These are all sort of rivalries. We got the hot rivalry between Nick Lasacco and Sean Dyche. So it's Crystal Palace and Burnley. Let's start with Nick on this one. Oh, man. Uh, I, I needed Hope's answer. Hope I needed Hope's wrong answer to uh, think about what I was going to say here. Palace was was I didn't really get to watch the game against Leeds because I was working from all accounts they looked awful and a little bit I did see that they didn't look very good I don't know if you guys saw, saw the Sean Deitch looky likey video uh which that was very <laughs> funny that was that was a great clip this this looky likey's a loss for Burnley and I'm gonna go with uh, another one nil uh one nil Palace win oh your nemesis Sean Deitch is not gonna like that I'll just have to see if I get any emails from him later. Uh, Hope, what do you think? I mean, Nick's probably correct when he guesses that I'm going to make an incorrect guess because, like, who in the world tortures themselves by spending time watching Crystal Palace and Burnley and trying to <laughs> try to devise what they're going to do with their future? Stay mid-table or get relegated. You don't really need to watch them to find that out. Um, but I don't know. Hasn't Burnley won two games in a row and Crystal Palace has lost two games in a row? So we're going with form. Uh, Burnley wins. 1-0. I just want to say two things. Nobody has a better form than Sean Deitch. And there aren't... Like his that... body or like his football form? Uh, yes, his, his physical form. Uh, <laughs> Watch out, and And uh, there, aren't be- there aren't many better ways to spend two hours than by watching Palace versus Burnley. I, I can tell you that right now. You will not be... You will not be disappointed by. I can't even finish my statement because I I just can't lie like that. I can't. Like I can't. It hurts. I'm a too honest of a guy. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. 
Yeah. On a related note, I think it's going to be nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to say I was caught between one nil and nil nil, and now I don't know. I'm going to call it one one. Hey, like regular goal fest. Fat Sam Allardyce versus our very own Conlin. And uh, this is a rivalry because when Conlon was little, he was pushed off the swing by a 40-year-old West Brom fan. That's true, right, Conlon? Yep. Okay, so we're going to start with you. <laughs> um, resulting bump to the head made him a Man U fan. And this is how we get to where we are today. 4-1 uh, United. That's good sco- goal scoring form, but can't keep a clean sheet even against West Brom. Okay, Hope. Yeah, I'm of the same mind. 3-1 Manchester. The second team in Manchester. I'm going to follow the leader on this one and four, go with the sim- same score line. I'm just going to piggyback off his knowledge and go with 4-1 Manu. Yeah, this is the kind of game that Fat Sam lives for, just like frustrating the big guys. He wants to... You know that Fat Sam thinks he's a much better manager than Solshire. <laughs> That's another reason why this is a derby because he's like, no Conlon, I'm a genius. Uh, that was my fat Sam impression. Fat Sam can't even pronounce old Gunner Solskjaer. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Ah, uh, part of, I want to call this a draw, but I think it's going to be a two nil. I think it's going to be a competent menu performance. Uh, next uh, we have Hope versus Adrian. It's a little known fact, a little peek behind the curtain. Hope I, hope I. <laughs> um, God damn it. Hope, Last Hope and I have actually never spoken to each other on this podcast. We, when we're hosting together alone, we just both say a bunch of stuff and then Nick cuts it together to make it seem like we're talking to each other. So. I love how last week it was Hopi, and yeah. now it's Hopi. <laughs> this is great. This is what happens when you let white people pronounce names that are slightly weirder than they're used to. Yeah, it's pretty true. <laughs> oh, God, it's so spicy. What is that, black pepper? <laughs> I've only recently started like seasoning my food. It's real bad. <laughs> I put red pepper flakes in fucking everything. Right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, mom, for swearing. Okay. And it's just ruining your vocal cords, clearly. It's ruining your ability to pronounce uh, basic no, words. It's going straight to my brain. It's going up the nose and into the frontal lobe. Your cortex is just on fire from the cayenne, the dash of cayenne that you that you put in your tuna sandwich. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christian. <laughs> I was like, who? What's Islam. This <laughs> who are we talking? Hindu. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, based on based on the last time these two teams faced off, Chelsea are gonna win this. I don't think we're in incredible goal scoring form, but I think this is the kind of game where we can we can really like release and play with some freedom. Tuchel has our defense a little bit set. Um, I think Chelsea win this uh I think Chelsea win 3-0. I think this is their breakout performance. I think Timo Werner is going to get a goal. Although, oh, sorry, this is too much thinking and too much talking. No, no, but, this is the analyzing part. But, like, 
I, I just I also forgot that Tiago Silva's out. And when you have Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger be, beside each other in defense, it's like lining up dumb and dumber in your back line and hoping that they're just going to get their head in front of ball. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh, 3-1. Well, if I can jump in on that. So I'll give you 3-1. We just lost uh, Fabian Schar. I don't know if Lascelles is going to be back. Oh. Lejeune is on loan. Hayden's still playing center back. So, I mean, you could talk about Christensen and and Rudiger as much as you want, but I'd take Christensen. So, uh, I was about to say, I, I think in a previous pod, you're like, Christensen seems like Newcastle material, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, honestly, like he seems like he's not quite good enough for Chelsea. So, uh, send him over. We'll, we'll pay him too much money. Yeah, I think I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say that the Graham Jones revolution, where he's sort of maybe has a behind the scenes coup d'etat is that's what Newcastle fans are hoping right now. Hoping, sorry, hoping I'm going to be optimistic and hope the behind the scenes coup d'etat of Graham Jones taking over from the Steve mafia is going to win us a one, one draw. I don't think so, but I'm going to, I'm going to predict with my heart here, Nick, what do you think? Yeah. I was going to ask, if, if there's a bigger managerial chasm right now between Thomas Tuchel and Steve Bruce. But then you mentioned Graham Jones. And uh, I still don't think that moves the needle enough, though. I, I think that, you know, Chelsea's new manager bounce, you know, it, it, we've seen it. We've seen the stats. I think it's four wins. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hope I think it's four wins and no losses, a whole bunch of goals scored, um, more passes than any team around. And I just think that, you know, with, with, just the talent, the golf and talent. Uh, I know Chelsea maybe wish they have Callum Wilson, but I think, you know, I just think t- Chelsea is, is too good right now. Um, and they're going to come away. Let's do a clinical two nil victory, two early goals. And then they'll coast the rest of the game. I was just going to copy Nick and say two nil. And you know what? I'm just going to do that because <laughs> I, I don't, the only piece of um, analysis I have is that I don't think Bernard will score a goal. I hope Pulisic's back and I hope he can do something, but I don't think he'll be back. That's the only reason. Like, I watch a lot of Chelsea games these days just hoping he'll do something. And then instead I just watch Werner miss the net. So it's not exactly the most enjoyable, but I think they'll win too now. It's bad when you're a player like Werner and you only have as many goals as Anthony Martial. Well, (laughs) I don't. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But at least we have that's our week for random predictions and some really cutting edge insight on these three prem (laughs) games uh just to go back to our our updated table uh you could you could start betting on these everyone i mean we know that uh conlin is right about his predictions 41 percent of the time at least in result and uh that's second best to adian oh third best to adian and then nick is at 43 and adian's at 47 Thanks for listening, everyone. Let us know. Find us on Instagram. Find us on TikTok. Leave a comment. Please uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, Podbean, and your heart. You can find us in there. I hope we're in there. We try our best. 